no one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkins and Andrew Filippone. What's up, everybody? Danny Parkins, Andrew Filippone, live on the Scores YouTube page. It is First and Pod. Thank you for being here. Subscribe, rate, review. After an absolutely fantastic divisional round of the playoffs, we will get to all the games and all the teams. We are coming to you within moments of Chiefs and Bills ending. And Pony, I mean, Josh Allen was incredible. They were at home. They were destroying the Chiefs' defense. But the Chiefs' offense was counterpunching every time. First five possessions, score, score, end of half, score, score. It felt like a heavyweight fight. It lived up to it. There were questionable calls, sure. The Chiefs almost went up 10. Asinine play call to give the ball to Hardman inside the two when Pacheco was able to run and do anything he wanted at will. Josh Allen tried to give away a fumble. The Chiefs didn't fall on it. Diggs was an absolute zero. And then a kicker missed wide right. There were a million things in that game. We got another all-time classic. And yet again, the Bills can't get by the Chiefs in the postseason. Yeah, he didn't even mention Kelsey with his shirt off going into the stands. I mean, I want to know how many beers it takes that guy to get drunk. It's got to be upwards of 20. I mean, he's taken shots out of bowling ball holes in the parking lots before the games. What a man of the people. He's going to get a huge TV job and make a ton of money this uh, this upcoming season because he's just very popular and very likable. Uh, Danny, the, the, the Bass is going to get the Scott Norwood treatment, I think. But you said Josh Allen had a fantastic game. I disagree. I thought he was Superman for about three and a half quarters. I thought he was, on that last drive, multiple times tried to give the game away. And at the end, he did. I mean, the fumble play that you mentioned, if – Kincaid doesn't make a great play, and then the offensive lineman doesn't fall on it. He gets blamed for it. He he becomes the culprit there for, for not holding on to the ball. And then second and third down before the kicks, he's got digs on second down for a first down, but he reverts back to Allen in Miami from week 18 where all he wants to do is score a touchdown. He won't take a profit. He's got to make the big play and try to win the game outright. And he gets hit. He holds onto the ball too long. It's incomplete. And then on third down, there's multiple guys in the middle of the field for reasonable gains to shut up to set up a much easier field goal. Or there's a catch and run, and you just get the first down. So I mean that that has to factor in. I I critique quarterbacks, especially the elite, the the cream of the crop, on how they perform at the end of games. And this was not like the game two years ago where he just didn't get the ball last. No, that, that is definitely true. That is that is, that is definitely true. I mean, overall, that was a great performance by him. He he made he made mistakes at the absolute very end of the game, and then the kicker missed the kick. I, I'm with you. I won't I won't grade him an A plus. I, I'm not going to disagree with anything you said there. He got outplayed by Mahomes. And Mahomes uh, is better. Right, and and the, and the interesting part of this game for me is that both teams made blunders and mistakes that if either team had lost, they'd be sick about the entire offseason. It was a the the game was more enter the game for three quarters was more entertaining than the playoff game two years ago, 
that was just an incredible fourth quarter where 28 points got scored and it was high drama into overtime and the end of the game sequences were just off the charts. This game, Romo, for is, you know, for as much as the guy struggles to get sentences out sometimes, he was clairvoyant. He oddly said after three quarters, I think defenses are going to start to make stops and plays in this game. And he was effing right, man. With no, with no evidence up to that point to base that on. And he was right. The, the Chiefs defense in particular, I didn't think had any answer for Allen. And, and their run had, game. What? And their run game. Yes. And, and the, I mean, the, the first touchdown drive for Buffalo was nine running plays against two passing plays. Mm-hmm. But we've been talking about that all year with Buffalo. That they have no balance. Now we but all they know- flipped when Brady got hired or got promoted, and yep. uh, Dorsey got fired. They became the the the, the most run heavy team in the entire NFL. Well, and and we always were saying in the back of our you know the the back pocket for them is in the postseason. Allen runs more, so it always get, but it still is so hyper dependent on on him. Uh, what was going on with Stephon Diggs? Well, this is not a one-week thing. This is not a one-week thing. This has been, and he dropped that long pass. Uh, This has been an ongoing thing. This is now him getting kind of phased out of the offense. I bet there's going to be a tweet or an Instagram post or something. I think he's going to do what a lot of these guys do, and that's like unfriend all of the Bills social media and players. And I think he's going to be on another team next year. Three catches uh, for 21 yards on eight targets. He For the first eight or nine games of the year, he was probably a first or second team All-Pro. And he didn't even make the Pro Bowl because he was really just completely taken out of there. I don't think he had a 100-yard game in their last 10 games or something like that. He had 21 receiving yards uh, in this game. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's that connection, which was so electric the last few years, was non-existent in the second half of the season, but they were winning games. So it kind of got, you know, they, they paper mache over that for a while, Danny. But now that the season's over, you do the autopsy on it. It's like, how did Allen and Diggs not form a more productive pair for this team this season? Which play was more mind-boggling? And I know that the fake punt will linger oh longer because Buffalo loses, to, to your point from earlier, but that is a high-level, mistake-free game, like you say, for basically three quarters. Crazy, reckless, fake punt to DeMar Hamlin. Crazy give to McCole Hardman. When, like I said earlier, Pacheco had been dominant, and Hardman fumbled in the first quarter on basically the exact same play. The misconnection on the deep ball for Buffalo and then the Josh Allen fumble where the Chiefs don't fall on it. It was like whoever wanted to win the game less. And I have no idea why they gave the ball to Hardman at the two-yard line. Like That felt like Andy Reid's smugness. Like, I'm going to let him rectify his mistake from earlier in the game instead of just running up the A-gap with Pacheco one or two yeah, times. Yeah, I thought it was coaching hubris. I thought it was a lot it was like – I thought it was a lot like the Russell Wilson, uh, Malcolm Butler interception in the Super Bowl. I thought it was shades of that. Obviously, not the same stage and not at the end of the game, but you know the same 
uh, uh, the, the same reasoning or logic going into a decision that made no sense. They got they got away with a lot. I mean, they Mahomes missed two throws in the first half that to Kelsey and then Marquez Veldes Scantling that should have been touchdowns on both, and they settled for a field goal. They lose the game. You come back and you look at that possession where they only got three points. How about MBS um, though with two downfield catches without those being drops? That was yes. shocking. That was and, a throwback game. He hasn't done that all year. He looked like Packers MVS. And all and all it took was multiple injuries to Bills linebackers for Travis Kelsey to go into the time machine, man. I mean, six targets, five catches, 75 yards, two touchdowns. He was the best skill position player on the field for either team consistently. I would probably agree with that. You know, my mind right now is on what happens with Buffalo because they got hot at the end at the end of the year and they didn't look after the Dallas game that they blew out uh, the Cowboys and completely shellacked them. You know, it was not a pretty win against the Chargers on the road. It was a close game against New England at home. They won with reckless play and carelessness against Miami in Week 18. Allen was tremendous against the Steelers. They went up three touchdowns, but they let the Steelers back into the game, and it was a one-score game in the fourth quarter. So at the end of the day, they ended up underachieving again this year. This is now three straight years they've gone out in the divisional round of the playoffs. So... This time as a favorite at home. This time as a favorite at home. They've got Mahomes and the Chiefs right where they want them. It's an imperfect Kansas City year or Kansas City team. Mahomes throws, what, 14, 15 interceptions. Kelsey looks like he's shot. I mean, you've got some things absolutely working in your favor. You lose the game. I mean, I already mentioned Diggs is probably going to be out. you gotta, you got to think long and hard about firing McDermott. I think. The same conversations that went on in Philadelphia and Dallas have to go on in Buffalo now, Danny. I agree. I mean, it all depends on who they can get like this late in the cycle. But if someone wants to come. No one's hired anybody yet. I mean, people. No, I know. Harbaugh's done multiple interviews. Belichick's done multiple interviews. Like it. And they would stop everything that they've done to this point and tell those teams screw off to go interview for the Bills job. I, I, I agree. I agree. I'd have no problem firing McDermott to hire Ben Johnson uh, or Jim Harbaugh. I, I I agree completely. I think I think that that would make a ton of sense, and I think that, that even would Belichick would be an upgrade. And, and and people that watch our podcast or listen to it know that the two of us have soured on Bill and don't think as highly of him as a lot of the national media people do. But he's still a better coach than Sean McDermott. I'm convinced of that. He would he would win there more. I think the uh, a conversation that's going to come out of this game that I find uninteresting, given how many times we've had the conversation. Oh, it's the fumble rule thing. I know. Yeah. yeah. Well, You're I right. mean, this game was too good for that, frankly. Like, this isn't the pass interference reviewable after the Saints game and the NFC Championship game, which was a gross overreaction. Like, we've seen it so many times. People have made the same argument so many times. I don't think they're going to change the rule because of this. Just I'll give you my 30-second thing on it. Uh, I agree that it's a bad rule. I don't think that the defense should get the ball when they don't actually recover the fumble. 
But so many things are skewed to the offense that I don't really have a problem with something being skewed irrationally towards the defense because basically nothing is. I would split the apple. Reverse touchback. Off, if the fumble goes out the end zone, but the defense doesn't recover it, then go to the next down, offense has the ball at the 20-yard line. So if it was second and goal from the two and you fumble out the back of the end zone, now it is third and goal from the 20. So then you can either kick a field goal, play for field position, try to force it into the end zone, whatever you need to do. Uh, So I don't think it should have to cost you possession. I think it should cost you 20 yards if you fumble out the end zone. That'd be how I would improve the rule. I'm fine with where it is right now. The reason why it became a talking point for the 10 minutes on social media that it was a thing that was stuck in everybody's craw was because we've seen the NFL make radical changes based on how teams lose playoff games, whether it's the not getting the ball in overtime, you know, Chiefs and Patriots in the AFC championship game, Chiefs and Bills in the divisional round the uh, the next year, uh, what you mentioned with the Saints and, and Rams. So that's how these things typically get adjudicated by the league. So that's why you've got people in the moment saying, we're not going to see this rule again, because there's going to be when they all get together at the owners meeting, some knee jerk reaction to what happened in a hugely important playoff game. Six straight AFC championship game appearances for Mahomes, Reed and Kelsey. Patrick Mahomes has never lost in the divisional round of the playoffs. It's just, it is beyond comprehension. You know, I know I, you probably don't want to go down this path, but I feel like you are tempted to say you already think he's better than Brady. It, you know me, man. I I judge things more by eye test than your than your trophy case than basically everybody in the media. Okay, he, so say it. He is better than Brady. He is a better football player. Hilarious. He is, he, he he is a better quarterback. He is better at quarterbacking football games than any player in the history of the sport. Brady's more accomplished. Brady's won more. Brady has the best trophy case, but the best quarterback I've ever seen is Patrick Mahomes. He just is. Eye test. It is a pure eye test argument. I don't have to tell you, man. Have you seen he the passed that I, he, he passed that eye test this year? Having the best completion percentage of his career when his receivers led the league in drops. Yeah, he passed okay. it. Th- th- if this is a down year for Mahomes when he had nothing around him and Kelsey was a corpse for 85% of the year and he's in the AFC Championship game again as a three-and-a-half-point road dog to Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, by the way, yeah, he passed the test, man. If this is a, This is a down year for him and he's in the AFC Championship. You didn't answer the Bills question, by the way. Would you fire McDermott? I said I would fire him for Harbaugh or Ben Johnson. Okay, so it's got to be a. Offensive. I would not. I would not fire him for Belichick. Okay, just too little of an upgrade. Still a defensive coach. Uh, upset the apple cart too much. Although it would be, I told you three weeks ago or four weeks ago that that was the the sneaky really fun team. Give him the best team in the AFC. Well, why would that upset the apple cart so much? You've hit your head on this ceiling. Three years in a row. Who cares if you upset the apple cart? 
What do you, what do you have to lose by making that change? You lose in the wild card round next year and no, I mean, that, that, that's true. I guess I just mean like if I was going to make a change from a defensive head coach, I would go with uh, an, an offensive guy to try to like not that they need to be that much better, but too many reckless turnovers. Like jo- Josh Allen, he is as talented of a thrower as basically anyone in the league. He's just a little too reckless. And you combine it with the running. I mean, his talent level, I've said it all year, like his best can be best, but it isn't because he shoots himself in the foot too many times. So if you've got an offensive coach to corral that in, you know, I think that there's a 50, uh, a 5,000 yard, 50 touchdown season in there for him, but he just makes too many uh, careless turnovers. So I would always hire an offense. I wouldn't go defensive coach to defensive coach is basically my point. All right. That wraps up that game. Do you want the lines, by the way, for Championship Sunday, or do you want to go through the rest of the games first? Yeah, let's go through the rest of the games, then do that. Okay. Lions and Bucks. I started with uh, Chiefs Bills. You can give me your opening salvo here. Lions, NFC title game uh, appearance. First time in a long time. Well, my opening salvo on this game uh, is going to be that I was watching the game with my father-in-law, who's in his 60s, and I watched a man melt down over the Bucks going for a two-point conversion down 14. And <laughs> I, I don't know why, but I feel like there's definitely like a generational thing here where like men, most men over the age of 50 find that decision to be like the most egregious. I know that this probably should not be my opening salvo, but like, I honestly wish I had just videotaped his reaction to it. It was that funny. Well, it's because analysts have done such a terrible job on television explaining <laughs> what, why it happened. He didn't understand if the graphic was wrong. Did an okay he job. thought the game was actually like 15. They were down 15, but they were showing 14. It's like something in his brain like broke. And I got to have like a front row seat of watching someone who has studied football for the last like half century, like turn like the gears were grinding to a halt. There, it was like <laughs> it was like a it was like a like a human glitch, bro. It was like really funny, and I didn't even want to bail him out. I didn't even. Like, I was gonna say, did you help him out? No, I just watched the whole thing. I just fed his fire. I'm like, man, this is what are they doing? This is insane just to kind of get him even more fired up over it. No, uh, no. The, for the, anyone the who reason- doesn't understand it, the, the 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 simplest way to explain it is the only way to win the game in regulation is to go for two on the first touchdown. And you, the reason you go for it on the first touchdown and not the second touchdown is because if you need it on the second touchdown and you don't get it, you have less time to overcome it. So you want to know what you need to do as soon as possible. And it's very unlikely with that little time left that you're going to get three possessions and you can't rely on stopping them multiple times to get a third possession to go touchdown, extra point, touchdown, extra point, game-winning field goal. So the math says if you want to win the game in regulation and take the coin toss and the luck out of it, you go for two on the first score when you're down 14 and score uh, in the fourth quarter. My opening salvo was really that uh, the, re- the my real take on this game is they've done this incredible 
transformation and epic turnaround from the from the dregs of the NFL to a team that's in the final four. And much of it has been about what uh, Dan Campbell has done, what the assistant coaches like Johnson or Nathan have done, what their front office has done, even what their owner has done to get these people into place. And I, I really think that Goff probably deserves more credit than he's gotten, especially in these two playoff games, because he he's, he is among the teams that are still playing. He's the one guy left who can't count on his defense to bail him out. Baltimore is the best defense in the NFL. The Chiefs have the second best defense in the NFL this season. San Francisco has all pros and elite playmakers on defense. He doesn't have that. They've got Hutchinson and Pray for Rain, basically, on defense. They are they were the 23rd scoring defense in the NFL. He has, in my opinion, the thinnest margin of error. And I think for the most part, he's played a pretty flawless two games in the playoffs against teams with offenses that when they're out there against the Lions defense, you expect those units to score points. So I want to tip my cap to golf because I think he's been tremendous in these two games. And he's got guys around him to make him better. And he's got a fantastic play caller. But the dude, I think, has been money for them. And they scored 31 points today. They've scored, what, 24 and 31? They're averaging almost 30 points in the playoffs. He's He's been great. Listen, he is uh, for a couple of years now, man. For a couple of yep. years. And, like, he... His home road numbers are drastic. His dome v. cold weather numbers are drastic. And San Francisco is not a dome, but it's not going to be cold. And they've looked vulnerable. And obviously, we'll do more on the preview episode of this. But the Lions, who I told you on the pod, favorite preseason bet was them minus 140 to win the North. Check. I, I picked them to win the NFC. We bet them to win the NFC on the pod and 39 to one set it before the opener chiefs lions as a super bowl exacta i got that bet too so i've been on the lions all year i feel vindicated by this the defense is a little worse than i thought the offense is exactly as good as i thought and they have to at this point transition from the cute likable story of we're so happy for detroit Look at their fans. Look at the 60-year season ticket holder. They had they hosted a home game. They won a home game. They hosted a second home game. They won a home game. They are a legitimately great team that top to bottom is run very well when for our entire lives, they've been known as the franchise that forced Barry Sanders into early retirement, forced Calvin Johnson into early retirement, wasted Matt Stafford, as soon as he leaves, he goes and wins the Super Bowl. Oh, man, why are they playing on Thanksgiving? Lions fans go to the game with bags on their heads. <laughs> to not the best organization in football. They haven't done it for long enough yet. But Brad Holmes, their general manager, he's had three drafts. Every single player he's drafted is on this team. Every single one. They, they're just rock solid. So, yeah, Goff has a top two offensive line in the sport. 
great skill position guys, plays in a dome, great play caller, all of the system, uh, system advantages that exist. No question about it. He's not one of the five most talented dudes in the NFL, but he doesn't make mistakes when things are going well around him. He doesn't shoot himself in the foot. So maybe on the road in San Francisco, he'll the wheels will come off, but they deserve a ton of credit. And they deserve to be treated like more than just a cute little story. They're a great organization right now. And they give a lot of fans of bad organizations. And I'll raise my hand as one who follows and covers and roots for one. They give a lot of us hope. Because if the Lions can become this model of success and competence, then basically anybody can. Well, that's why I probably should have started by saying, I think it's the best sport. I think it's the best story going in sports right now. What they've done this year. That should really be the lead that this moribund organization that just, I think, I want to say they've equaled, well, I, I want to, how many playoff wins did they have all time, like in the Super Bowl era before this run? They won in 91. They beat Dallas to get to the NFC Championship game when they got, then they got smoked by Washington. I know in 83, they played in the NFC divisional round, but I think that might have been because they got the they won the division and got a bye. I mean, I I, I think they we'll have we'll have um, Spencer look it up. I think since 1957 they they might have four playoff wins. They might have either equaled what they had before this season in this playoff run or already exceeded it. Do you have it pulled up? In 57. They, they won, won the championship. Yep, they won two games. Okay, how many since? I mean, just ninety-one. Yeah, one in ninety-one, dude. So that's so. So they, so in the modern era since the merger, yeah, they have three playoff wins and two of them are in this postseason. Yep, that's correct. That is. It's correct. just. It's just. I mean, this sport is. It's supposed to be. It favors the worst. It gives the worst teams the best draft position. There's a salary cap to try to keep or, or prevent the best teams from holding on to their best players. I mean, it's just it's it's supposed to be a statistical impossibility for a team to be as bad as they have been for so long. And I remember when they were zero and ten two years ago, and they came to Pittsburgh and they tied the Steelers. And I was thinking like at that point, even like this Dan Campbell thing is just not going to work. You know, he's, he's brash. He's a, he's got a big mouth. He's a great soundbite, but he's not going to actually do what no one else has done there and lead them out of this cycle of futility. And he has, I mean, Danny, you know, it's going to be funny when the season is over. He's probably not going to win coach of the year. It's going to go to Kevin Stefanski and that is going to just look so weird. Yep. That someone took the Detroit Lions to the NFC Championship game, and we're going to like look back at the list of Coach of the Year winners five years from now and be like, "Wait a minute, Dan Campbell didn't win Coach of the Year <laughs> in twenty twenty. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and a lot of guys. We talked about it. A lot of guys had good years, and it's a regular season award. But Shane Steichen, Mike McDaniel, Kevin Stefanski, none of those guys are around. Uh, right now, and Dan Campbell's had an absolutely ridiculous. and he went for that fourth and one, and he and he ran it with Reynolds, which stunned yep. me. I mean, he didn't even have his number one or number two running back in the game. 
in that situation, and that gave them a seven-point lead. That was a huge decision, and it worked. He rolled the two, dice there. Two little things. One, to add a specific moment for Goff. That third and 15 conversion Oh yeah, to Amon Ra with eight and a half minutes left, that's a big-time play. And I crushed it at the time. I think you did too. Jameer Gibbs is worth the 12th overall pick on this team. Like with, with that, with that line playing in that dome, man, if they didn't have David Montgomery, he'd be a 1500 yard, 15 touchdown guy. He is, I mean, he's not as good as Christian McCaffrey. I understand that. Yeah. He like the eye test again shows me that like next year, he should be a first round pick in fantasy football. Oh, hundred percent. Like, like he, he he's gonna have uh if he stays healthy with that team, that offense, that line, he's gonna have like a peak Alvin Kamara. Peak I was Kamara. gonna say the same thing. I think best case scenario is McCaffrey. Worst case scenario is is Alvin Kamara. He's so good. I, I I don't. He might get hurt. Uh, maybe they'll keep Montgomery and he'll have some touchdowns vultured for him in, in, inside the five. But he is an awesome football player all right Niners and Packers my god man what a roller coaster this game was Jordan Love making high level top 10 20 percentile throws Kyle Shanahan coaching scared end of the half 79 seconds on the clock. They run five plays when he has all of their timeouts. One of them is a spike. One of them is a field goal attempt. Brock Purdy looks shook. He is literally wiping his hand on his pants as he is dropping back to pass. He's so affected by the rain. Debo Samuel is hurt. There's the fumble on the kick return that Wilson Dives on one of the great fumble recoveries you, you'll ever see. It was just everything in the world was pointing upset, 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 upset. Tom Rinaldi has that report that Matt LaFleur basically prays whenever Carlson comes on the field to kick a field goal. Uh huh. He misses it. Purdy had a few plays on that last drive. Jordan Love goes Brett Favre as a Viking, throws the ball across his body. They lose, and San Francisco somehow survives and advances. I really don't know how the Niners won that football game. Green Bay dominated it for 56 minutes. It's going to be interesting with the Niners now because they dodged a bullet, but that that how much of that is going to carry over into their next game? You know, they look now like a way more vulnerable team than we yes. thought they were. They lose to Baltimore at home. They almost give this game away. And, you know, the Purdy conversation, it's just, there's so many bad actors in it. It's so annoying. The thing that I hate that, like, I am at least seeing a lot of now is that there seems to be the people that, like, are pro-Purdy, like, are getting super defensive about what I think is like legitimate criticism of the way he played in the game. It's just, it's, it's really funny. But like now some of those people want you to be, want us to be reminded that he was the last pick in the draft and that we should again, go back to like grading him and critiquing him 
on that rubric or on that scale. Well, look at what he's, he won a play. Hey, it wasn't pretty, but as the, as Mr. Irrelevant, he won another playoff game. You know, the goal. I got, goes- I got killed on Twitter for asking, are we sure Brock Purdy's the week one starter for the Niners next year before he had that drive and came back and won the hey, game? I said on, uh, I was a guest on Mad Dog Radio about a month ago and they, we, they, I was on the talk. I don't know why I was on to talk about Russell Wilson. I said, I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up in San Francisco next year. And I got just crushed for it. But depending on how it goes next week against Detroit, like they gave up on Jimmy Garoppolo for going deep in the playoffs. We know that there's not Jimmy a Garoppolo lot of patience. played in a Super Bowl. Correct. Like, Correct. I, 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 like listen, if, he balls out in the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl, and they win. Obviously, he gets the gig. But you're telling me that Kirk Cousins, like Kirk Cousins is going to make an incredible amount of money. Mm -hmm. But he's already made an incredible amount of money. And the only knock on Cousins, the only one, is that he can't win in the playoffs, even though he has, and he had that awesome throw against the Saints, but he does not have a sparkling record in the postseason he would be perfect like yeah he's not as mobile as you would like but just snap throw get the ball out be accurate get the ball to playmakers hands but have more of an ability to throw the ball downfield and not wet his pants Kirk Cousins should take a pay cut and go play for San Francisco and go win a ring next year that is such an obvious fit and maybe Purdy will ball out against the Lions and that defense at home. Maybe you will. But interceptable balls, man. Like he 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 looked absolutely terrible in that game. Terrible. And yeah, he's going to blame it on the rain and he started with the glove on and everything else. His playoff games, Seattle, his numbers looked very good. He did not start the game well. The next week against Dallas, it was a 19 to 12 game. We never got to see what was what would happen in the Eagles game because he got hurt early on and his elbow was jacked up, but it didn't look like it was going well for him when that injury happened. Uh, and then the, and now this game, uh, he wins at, at the end because because uh, Jordan Love ended up, you know, he outplayed Purdy except really for two throws, and they were two costly throws, and you can't leave that out. You know, like that has to get baked into your analysis of, of the player. But yeah, uh, if you watch that game, you didn't leave that game thinking that Brock Purdy, they won the game because the 49ers had the better quarterback. They didn't. Um, and that's going to be the case again on, on in the NFC Championship game. The Lions have the better quarterback than San Francisco. And, 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 and I don't think this is a straw man, but you could tell me if it is. Like maybe I'm just arguing against people that I see on Twitter locally. Um, and if I, I am, I don't mean to be. This should not be lumped in with bad January Packers playoff losses of the last 15 years. No. Like, like it it was painful. They did have the game won. Jordan Love's interception will be remembered. But this is not the NFC Championship game against Seattle turtling with field goals. They were the youngest offense in the NFL. Right. They were a huge underdog. They were on the road. They're the youngest offense in the league. Like they, 
bad, bad job to not finish the job. And they made mistakes, no question. But this is this is not that NFC Championship game to Tampa in the COVID year when basically no one was at Lambeau. Like th- this, this is not as bad as the Lafleur with Rodgers and the McCarthy with Rodgers NFC Championship game losses. This is not that caliber of loss. No, the only thing I, w- I would wonder about is the next time they're in the playoffs, is Jordan Love the type of guy who blocks out and doesn't give a crap about how this last game went with the turnovers, or is it something that manifests again and like hovers around and hangs around him for any duration or stretch of his career? And that happens with some guys. Forty-eight against Dallas, man. Yeah, I, I, I think they're going to be fine. I think that they're, you know, they're going to have to pay him now. We'll see where that money comes in. But if you're a Packers fan, you get over the heartbreak of losing that game pretty quick because you think you've got a window to win now because you've hit the jackpot on another franchise quarterback. Well, and I mean, LaFleur, he might be the coach there for as long as Tomlin and Belichick. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like He's young. Yep. And, and they lost Getzey and they lost Hackett and he looks and love looks. Yeah, this look what those two guys have done since. I think we know who the real brains of the operation was there. That's what I'm saying. This, this is not Sirianni without Shane Steichen. Let's put it that way. Right. It's like they, they look like they are in good shape for a long, long time. It's sickening. All right. To the early game from Saturday, the most lopsided affair, Texans and Ravens. Baltimore will host the AFC Championship game for the first time in franchise history. A lot of thoughts, obviously, but I, I started with Packers and Niners. So go ahead, my my good sir. Yeah. I mean, they what ends up happening here because of the final 30 minutes of the game is that we've got now another uh another um you know they they've got another they they've got another um what was scalp on the wall here you know it's another one of these blowout wins against a team with a winning record or a playoff team and baltimore has accumulated more of these than like any team in NFL history in this season when they, when they run in, for the most part, when they play teams with a winning record or a playoff team, they don't just beat them, they annihilate them. And that's what this final score ends up looking like. Uh, the first half of the game brought back a lot of the demons and ghosts of what's happened to Baltimore in the playoffs recently with Lamar Jackson. You put special teams touchdowns usually are a precursor to an upset win. You get that with the Sims punt return. And it's like a, a switch got flipped with the Houston defense. The last couple position possessions of the first half, they were just teeing off on Jackson. They were burying the guy. Um, so I give, you know, that, that halftime, there was a lot of soul searching that probably happened there. Harbaugh came out and said, we acted like it was zero, zero, like the first half didn't even happen. Let's go out there and just show everybody that we're the better team and to their credit. It was a it was a no contest. So from a psychological standpoint, I give them a lot of credit that there was nothing about the deja vu effect that Lamar Jackson or John Harbaugh could have uh, um, that could have affected or impacted them. They they left no doubt in the second half of that game. So that's because yeah, that was the thing that we talked about. Heart. Like I I thought I was wondering if they were going to tense up, um, and yep. there was every opportunity to tense up. And they didn't. 
maybe some of this has to do with the opponent. And it was like too much too soon for a young Texans team with a first-time head coach and a, and a rookie quarterback. But when we talk about great home field advantages, and I know you're a Steelers guy who doesn't love giving love to other AFC North teams, but we talk about Seattle, we talk about Arrowhead, we talk about Lambeau at night. That was about as big of an impact as you can see a home field advantage have in an NFL game. Dude, the Texans had eight penalties in the first half. You're right. You know, you know, like starts galore, stuff like that. You're right. The the Texans didn't score an offensive touchdown in the game. Yeah. And then, and like, it wasn't as bad as Tua in Kansas city, but there were a few times where it was like Stroud was looking over his shoulder for the guy to come drape the big heavy coat (laughs) on him. And he's played at Ohio state. Like, yeah, it was just, Baltimore looked much more comfortable, mostly in the second half, because in the first half, D'Amico Ryans was clown suiting Munkin and his offense with all of the blitzes, and they were doing a great job on the broadcast showing highest percentage of blitzes in D'Amico Ryans' career. Like, but what it felt like was a little bit of desperation from Houston. You're right. Like, we know we don't have the right talent here, and holy crap, look at this spot that we're in. We need to force the issue and force Lamar to make mistakes. And he was so efficient passing the ball. Didn't throw for a ton of yards. 16 of 22, I think, for 150-something yards. Uh, But he had 100 rushing yards. He beat him with his legs. It was a dual-threat game. It was a four-touchdown game. It was a signature playoff win for Lamar. It was a blowout, as you mentioned. But Mahomes will not struggle as much, obviously, as Stroud and the Texans did. But that is a that was a like my hat is off to Ravens fans, man. Like they they brought it for that game. Like because we've only been talking about Detroit and home field advantage and crowds so far this postseason. I thought that in terms of actual impact on the game, uh, that was about as impactful as a crowd has been. That was as impactful as a crowd has been in the postseason. And other than the historic cold, what it did to Miami in the wild card round it was probably the biggest impact that home field had in the entire playoff. Well, I'm going to I think it's going to be even better next week because they're going to be hosting an AFC Championship game for the first time in Ravens history and it's the first time it's happened in that city in over 50 years since the Colts were there. It was um, it was it was noticeable on television. Yeah, and you had Aikman and and Buck who've been in a million different places and have called every big game uh commenting on how loud they thought it was. I I love Bobby Slowick. I think the guy with Ben Johnson is one, two among offensive coordinators who deserve to be NFL head coaches. I thought their game plan sucked. And I thought it was a timid, scared game plan. I thought they went in there and the, the it was, let's run the ball on first down almost every time with Singletary, see what we get and go from there. They knew that the Ravens led the NFL in sacks. They knew that the NF, that the Ravens led the NFL in takeaways. And I thought that that, affected them negatively and seeped into their game planning. Uh, if I were, you've got CJ Stroud, there should be no fear whatsoever. He, they, they should have gone in there and tried to throw the ball on every down. That's what I would have done because it looked like early in the game, they were finding success doing that. But as you pointed out, they were putting themselves in second and long and third and long so much 
because they couldn't run the ball and they were and they and there were costly penalties. Uh, I, I I hated that. When you're a big underdog, I don't want I don't want safe. I don't want to think about okay, this is what that team this is what that team does well, so we have to be weary of that. You're supposed to lose the game. You've got this this uh, neophyte quarterback who's just great beyond his years. Let him put in the air 50 or 60 times and see what happens. So that really bugged me and irked me about the way that they went in there. I thought they tiptoed their way into that game. I wonder if it had any like, – there was some talk during the week that the forecast was going to be windier than it ended up being. I, yep. wonder, I, I wonder if, like, when they were installing the game plan. Scrap it. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I, I, I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud here. If, uh, if that ended up being a factor. Um, all right, quick, quick uh, look ahead here. I've not seen the lines. You want me to guess them? Sure. Well, I mean, you, I gave, think I... you gave me Kansas City, Baltimore. You said three and a half, right? Yeah, it's minus one twenty though on the Chiefs. So we'll see where that game settles. I'm going to say seven for the Lions and 49ers. Yep, nailed it. Forty juice too. Uh, it is minus 120 on plus seven. So we'll see if that stays at seven. I think that's, I think that's a reaction to how the Niners played. I think if that's, I think if the Niners handle their business, I think that's on the low end of things, seven and a half, it might've fallen somewhere between seven and a half and 10. I think that's a hundred percent a reaction to how both teams have looked here in the playoffs. But, I mean, the Niners lost to the Rams week 18. Obviously, that was weird. Got blown out by Baltimore week 16. And three is the perfect line for the AFC game. Because if you make it two and a half, everybody's going to bet Baltimore. And if you make it three and a half, everybody's going to bet Kansas City. So you just put it right smack dab in the middle, and you're going to get tons of action both ways. Yeah. Uh, 44 and a half is the total for the AFC title game. 50 and a half the total for Lions Niners. My guess is that creeps up to like 52. And I hate that it's the early game, the AFC championship game. It should be flipped. I agree. I agree. Is that just because CBS has the Super Bowl, so Fox gets the better? I believe it is. Sunday? Yep. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, I know it was predetermined. But I Put the marquee matchup at 6.30. Come on now. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Because that's what today felt like. Today felt oh, yeah. like, like the whole the whole weekend felt like they were just undercards for an awesome like UFC pay-per-view event Le- leading up leading up to the, the heavyweight fight of Mahomes v. Allen. It was it was this was a great weekend of football, man. Great weekend. All right, brother. All right, thank you to Spencer Ray, our producer. Thanks to everyone who ch- uh, checked us out on the YouTube page. Tell a friend about us. We do this uh, twice a week during the season, once a week in the offseason. Every team, every game, every week. We are first in pod. Peace.